0: money fm 89.3 best of the breakfast huddle the weekly wrap on money fm 89.3 Money FM 89.3. Good morning, it's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Baratijak Dish and Ryan Huang with you. Imagine this weekend you go to the supermarket or the market and Mm. then you point to the tables. How much is that fish on the table? (gasps) So much! (laughs)
1: Expensive though! Hey, you know what the scary thing is? I've actually heard my neighbours say that they've gone to the wet market, asked about the price of fish, then cannot contain themselves because it's so high, right? And some of them end up having fights with the fish market. Mongers.
0: Fight? So
1: I said, why wow. you fight with the fishmonger? It's not the fishmonger's not the fault, yeah. fault, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many externalities to the rising prices of fish, mm, right? So mm. come on, let's be grown up about this. And yes, some of those prices, I do agree though, are quite astounding. Yeah. We're talking about uh, Chinese pomfret, uh, which was selling as high as 90 to to $100 yes. uh, when our colleagues at the Straits Times visited the wet markets. We're talking 90 to to $100 a kilo, up from four, just 40 to $50 a kilo last November So this is double
0: Yeah, and, and, and this is based on uh, the Straits Times visiting six wet markets uh, a couple of days ago uh, In fact, it was an article on the front page of the Straits Times as well So what's going on here? What uh, can we avoid, you know, this, these price hikes especially during Chinese New Year? Out of line with us is William Chen Michael Pham Chair, Professor and Director of Food Science and Technology Program Nanyang Technological University, Singapore Prof, good morning, how are you? Hi, hey, good morning. Thank you for having me around yeah, uh yes, I'm fine, yeah,
1: Prof, let's talk about what's led to all of this, yeah, What are the factors that have fueled these rises in prices? A lot of things have been mentioned, the floods in neighboring countries, labor shortages, supply chain constraints. Can you crystallize all of this for us?
2: Well, this is a very important issue for most consumers, I guess, and uh uh well, this price hike we have seen it in the past years uh, during Chinese before Chinese New Year and other festive seasons. But in, in this year, in particular, uh, seems to be quite steep a uh, price hike. And uh, what we read in the press about this impact of climate change on the agricultural production yield. And we're seeing the, uh, we're seeing the flood situation in Malaysia and other neighboring countries. All these countries, uh, we're actually importing food from them. So therefore, one way or another, we are, we are being affected. But we're not the only one. Mm. And, uh, while well, with this growth in the world population and the increased demand for food, so uh, we we may see this if we don't change the food system. We may see a uh, continuous impact of climate change on the on the food production, also on the food price for our consumers.
0: Why does it seem to be worse on fish compared with vegetables? And you mentioned agriculture is also affected. fish because of floods, why? Well, because if
2: you know, the, the, the number of factors first is the, we we know that there's a lot of uh, demand for fish and uh, seafood to this uh, tendency to overfishing that we have read in the media. But another factor that uh, we need to take, to take into consideration into consideration is actually the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which uh, limits the, the movement of not just uh, uh, labor, but also the, the movement of the, the food along the supply chain.
1: Mm. I'm just looking at how the business owners are reacting to all of this and according to that Straits Times report, some of them said that, oh, you know, we've decided to absorb some of the increases. Should they really be doing this? I mean, this is the real cost of the produce. This is the real cost of the vegetables. I know that a lot of consumers say we shouldn't have to pay so much, but why be so protective of them? I mean, people should be aware of the various factors that cause prices to go up and perhaps take the steps necessary in the long term to mitigate such things, right?
2: That's right, that's right. But at the, in the near term, I guess some of these uh, business owners, they, they, may, they may worry that uh, if they increase the price or the price high is too steep, some of the regular customers may go somewhere else. So no consumer, in fact, no consumer who want to pay more. Of course. Uh, even they understand the situation, right? With the C N Y peak season, all this. Yeah, but uh, is it example, wise
1: to be protecting consumers like that? Surely the business owners will be affected in the medium to long term, right?
2: Yeah, well, so that is a dynamic situation. For example, if, if we talk about a business owner, the profit margin is uh, reasonable enough to absorb the price hike, then they may, they may buy the bullet and then absorb the price hike during the peak season. So to keep the same crowd of regular customers, but sometimes if it's really not, cannot offset the price hike, then it may not make a lot of business sense. But then again, if you look at the, oh, throughout the year, maybe one, two weeks uh, absorbing the, the price hike may not be so
0: painful. Yeah, mm-hmm. It is a problem that's been escalating as the years have gone by, perhaps made more apparent by COVID. <laughs> Prof, here in Singapore, we have this all 30 by 2030 plan or 30 by 30 plan. Yeah, I yeah. want to put this on the spot. I know it's just based on the academic theory, but do you, do you think that's going to help the situation in your opinion? Are we on track? Well, certainly. Well, When we talk about 30 by
2: 30, I think one important factor is not the 30% of how much we can produce, rather the nutrition requirements. So here is actually... So we are slowly moving away from how much we eat rather how well we eat mm. but that's more that i think that is uh, in long run is uh, more beneficial for for not just for singapore but the whole world so mm-hmm. that uh, we, we emphasize on, on the quality over quantity and uh, so this is a very dynamic, you know, if you produce high quality of vegetables or some other alternative foods, then that will compensate the, the lag in quantity, which is an important factor because as a country, small country, we import more than 90% of food from 170 countries. So the quality over quantity is actually beneficial for, for Singapore because we don't have much
0: land to produce uh, much of the food. So humans are just greedy. means 30 by 30, we have less Fat people? No, not true. Maybe. Well, <laughs> well, I, well,
2: that, that I think uh, uh, improving over the overall consumer health and uh, enhance the food system using technology. This is a part and parcel of the thirty by thirty goal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're seeing quite uh, an exponential growth in the agri tech sector, for example. Yeah. But you see, if we look at a crisis situation. Local farms were also affected, right, in the past couple of years due to lockdowns, due to border yeah. restrictions and various other yeah. things. So what is what exactly within the farming sector is resilient? Resilient even in the face of a crisis like COVID?
2: Well, uh, this is a very uh, a good question. In fact, when we talk about Farming practice in Singapore. We talk about urban farming. Urban farming can be actually quite different from the traditional farming in the sense that it, by itself is already more resilient to climate change because we're talking about indoor, uh, you know, underground and land-based agriculture. All these kind of the farming activities. And uh, when we talk about, for example, this uh, indoor farming the vegetables, we, we may not even need the soil, right? So they, so therefore, the agri input like fertilizer, all this may 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 be less of a Concern. And being a, a, a city-state, urban farming and the uh, food supply chain is also uh, quite different from the traditional, you know, the what we have been seeing, the linear supply chain model, which drives this linear economy and general waste stage along the way. So uh, in the urban setting, when we talk about Singapore's uh, food system, we are more and more emphasizing on the circular model, circular, we call it food circular economy. So with the aim is to generate as little waste as possible. So everything would be channeled back to the food system, therefore enhancing the
0: efficiency and making more resilient to external factors. Like climate change or COVID 19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, at the end of the day, science is here to save the day. Uh, thank you so much. We've been speaking with William Chen, Michael Pham, and our Chair, Professor and Director of Food Science and Technology Program at Nanyang Technological University, Singapore. Uh, Prof, thank you for your time. You take thank care, stay safe, you. and Happy thank New Year in advance. New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, go for you. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.